Nerds International proudly presents Welcome to the 3T RPG podcast, a podcast all about tabletop RPGs. Do you ever get bored of saying it? No, I love no, it. No, no. I love okay. it. It's my favourite. It's my favourite thing to say. <laughs> you wake up in the morning and say it to your wife. <laughs> I do. She's like, "What? What the hell are you saying?" And Welcome just, to the morning. <laughs> Welcome to the morning. My name's Harrison Hunt, and with me is Nick Lamley. Good stuff. Today we've got such a pod, oh, like you wouldn't believe. We got the feedback. We got what you're slaying. We got the main subject, which today is going to be mutant cruel classics oh, RPG. Yes, I like mutants. I like classics. I like crawling. And so stick it all together, <laughs> and you've got something real nice. Real nice. And then we got a new segment: brain in the oven. <laughs> Deal with it. Deal with that. And we got dragon or blagon followed by electro letters. Ooh, yes, with a little live bit as well, maybe. Mm. It might be a little surprise in there for you. So, feedback. Let's do it. Let's do this. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So, uh, the the only feedback we actually had that was worth talking about got um, deleted and I couldn't find it. Oh, what? When? I don't know. So Terry sent us a uh, ter- he sent us a bloody thing mm. for us to discuss, but I can remember the gist of it because I asked him to try and find it and he couldn't. So Terry he comes in and he says um, how to do character motivations in a game. Right. He said that we, he listened to our sandbox episode and that he thought it was great, but one of the biggest things is character motivations. So how can you have all these character motivations for like three hundred different people? And I think I answered that kind of in the last podcast anyway because yeah. I was like a really good way is to base them off people you know mm-hmm. and then you already know what they're after well exactly that yeah and, mostly and once you've, once you've got a kind of skeleton of the idea it just grows with the game also there's there's a table in Vornheim which kind of uh, gives character motivations oh man yeah just so buy that book yeah you buy that book <laughs> and use that or draw up a table of random motivations exactly you know? it doesn't have to be something amazing if, if their motivation's money well then just think about why, and then boom, you've got a decent yeah. little char on your hands. Easy peasy. But that's it, really, for feedback, because it was one question that we didn't even have, really. <laughs> that's the worst feedback section we've ever done. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. No, there was lots of praise for um, uh, the new episode of Dirt Boy Blues and yes, stuff. Yes, there was. But um, I'm going to stop reading that out in the feedback section, because it just seems like every time we do it, it's just us going, we're great. Circle Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Circle Jack is right, man. <laughs> Alright, let's get on to what we've been playing Yeah, with what you're slaying. Yeah. What you slaying? So we've been playing Lamentations of the Flame Princess. Oh yeah. People will no doubt notice that the uh, campaign updates have well, they've come to a screeching halt. Yeah, what happened? I couldn't keep up doing them. It was just taking too long. <laughs> yeah, I thought that might be... I was like, oh, he's bitting off a lot, yeah? Exactly. That's exactly it. I was having to write up every campaign in that, like, really cinematic way, and it just took it just took too much time. So that's I was... right. So it's, it's an intro. We yeah. did an intro to Lamentations. Yeah, shelved it for now. I might go back to it at some point. <laughs> to be fair, we could always do a... Um, we could always do, like, a... Like, build them up and sit and do a... 
two-person review maybe or something like that in the future so we do we do remember everything that happens and we tend to do we've got record of it on our little Facebook group we? Exactly, so we won't yeah. forget what happened um, so with Lamentations of the Flame Princess we're currently in the midst oh, of a campeign yeah. where it's, it's well, I wanted to take one of the most basic plots ever and turn it into something fun so the, the literal plot is there's an evil wizard about yep. but um, it's way more complicated than that there's there's a, uh, there's a war going on there's all sorts of missions Not these guys magical barbarians magical barbarians and <laughs> In addition to that, there's these three lenses that the guys are trying to track down mm-hmm. and before the bad guy does. Yeah. And it's it's pretty amusing at the moment because you guys buried one and then he found it. Got rumbled so hard. Got rumbled. <laughs> and speaking of rumbles, there was also a grub fight at one <laughs> yeah. point where yeah. these guys got involved in like an illegal animal fighting ring for a bit oh man do you know what we are so if we we get sidetracked so easily (laughs) it's true man I think it's my fault to be fair well last time we did it probably for about an hour of you guys buying a house and going around with the realtor (laughs) we want a secure tent (laughs) yeah that's really funny man (laughs) so you've got they've now got a 20 foot square tent Mm -hmm. Lamentations essentially is a uh, OSR game Uh, it's kind of a, a retro clone type game yeah but um, it's known as weird role playing, and as we spoke about in the past, like this really comes into fruition with a lot of the uh, a lot of the modules and things like this. It's a really the actual game itself is so simple to play as well. If you like fantasy games and you don't like all the guff of five E and stuff like that, then pick this up. Oh, totally. It's so worth it. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really um, streamlined. It's not clunky at all, is it? Exactly. So much fun. Um, and that that brings me on to oh my god, I'm just trying to. <laughs> Just trying to get my old book out. Look at that. Yeah, so um, Nick, uh, I want to give a shout out to a listener, Nick Hopkins. Recently went to um, UK, I just turned around while I was talking. He recently went to UK <laughs> Games Expo and he put in the Lamentations group. If, if anybody needs anything from there, then let him know. And so I picked up the Adventure Anthology Death. And that's got Death Love Doom in it, which I'm not sure if it's related to Death Frost Doom or not. But it's got uh, the Cursed Chateau, I think, is in there as well. Yeah. But there's one really cool adventure at the back of it that's literally an adventure made entirely up of uh, random triggers. And that's on those black pages at the back. So the thing is, is the whole adventure is told, well, the whole story is told like this. So you might get one where the first time you go into an inn, this happens. Damaged by an animal. Yeah. Yeah, damaged by an animal, that's one of the triggers. There's one that's uh, buying equipment. And the first ever trigger is that when they're in a dark woodland area, a man dressed in black cut points at them and goes, you will suffer. And then he just disappears as quickly as he came. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. It's wicked. It definitely definitely feels like Lamentations like to kind of come in with unique kind of ideas. I mean, I don't know if I, I haven't read that much OSR, but it, it seems like some of the stuff I see in Lamentations books I haven't seen elsewhere. Yeah, they're very creative with the way they do stuff, yeah. I think. There's, there's, um, there's a lot of ones that... Well, not a lot. There's a few that be, could be considered generic, but mm. you read Vaughnheim yeah. versus a... Uh, Lankmar or oh dear. <laughs> Nick's just showing me a piece of art from the book it's disgusting <laughs> um, but yeah like Vornheim and all of those things like if you read any other city kit mm. you, you kind of um, Vornheim has all these tools and even the cover is a oh, tool oh that's what I mean like, yeah. and the, the dust sheet or whatever you call it uh, yeah, is yeah. a 
is the map. Yeah. You know, and it's things like that that are, that are just creative and really make the products more interesting. Tools. They love yeah. a tool. And, mm-hmm. uh, and for that, we love them. Um, I like the sound of the last uh, adventure. Uh, sorry, second to last adventure. It's called uh, Fuck for Satan. Yeah, I've, I saw that. <laughs> I, I, I haven't dared to read it yet. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's a lovely book. It's a cracking book. And thank you very much to Nick. Great name. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great names. It's great. It's one of the greatest names ever made. Awesome. But that's it for what we've been saying. Um, oh, just suffice to say to go out and play some Lamentations if you get the chance. Yes, it's totally. Free, it's got a free PDF and also uh, yeah, the books are well cheap, so just grab them. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It is. Should we uh, mutate horribly as Let's, we enter into the next section? It's time to mutate horribly, <laughs> grow an extra arm and use it to climb into the next section. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mate. Subject magic main. Subject Tokyo main. Subject. So this is going to be a very different main subject this time because we're going to start with an interview with Jim Wampler, the writer of Mutant Crawl Classics, and that's going to be all about how the game came about, his inspirations, that type of thing, and then we're going to go on to the review of the actual book with me and Nick. So the voices you're now going to hear are going to be mine and Jim's doing the interview. Enjoy! Oh man, well, it is, it is an absolute honour to have you on here, but for those that don't know, uh, Jim is the writer of Mutant Crawl Classics, and I believe you worked on one of my favourite supplements ever, 50 Fantastic Functions for the D50? Yes, I did. That's such a great book. So we, we, we've got Jim here to talk about Mutant Crawl Classics and um, enlighten us on what it's all about, because it is the best RPG ever made would you would you say that jim i would not say that under any <laughs> circumstances but 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 i hear you and I, it's much appreciated it's it's the whole reason i do what i do is to use my brain and hands to make cool stuff for other people to enjoy so um before we begin obviously we need to know the man behind the brain and hands so if you want to talk about your introduction into role playing my name is Jim Wampler, and uh, I've written uh, lots of stuff, uh, Mutant Crawl Classics, uh, some Dungeon Crawl Classics, and Metamorphosis Alpha Adventures, and uh, currently working on a superhero game that won't be released for a year or two for Frog God Games. Um, I started in 1979, and having grown up in a small rural town in Kentucky, the Dungeons & Dragons thing hadn't penetrated where I grew up. I, I, I lament that I, I was old enough you know, when D&D came out, I was 13. I could have been playing. I just didn't know about it till I got to college. So it just, the Dungeons and Dragons hadn't just gotten, hadn't gotten to where I lived uh, when I was very young. But I get to college in 79 and I'm introduced by a bunch of those first generation players to it. Around the time the first AD&D books were coming out and uh, Holmes' basic box set and uh, jumped in with both feet and my uh, second game. I've, I've, I've run three big campaigns at, in my life and I obviously ran a D&D campaign but the second game I picked up was Gamma World and fell in love with it at first sight that very first box set and that's uh, part of how I came to Mutant Crawl Classics I've run every ver- that that Gamma World campaign off and on went on for 30 years up until the 2000s and I ran every edition of Gamma World I think at the end it was pretty much Gym World because I was using Mutant Futures from Goblinoid Games for my rules the first edition of Gamma World for the setting with a little of the fourth mixed in and then all my, you know, stuff. You know, there are some people that I know that consider our campaigns that take a year and a half to be long. (laughs) So 30 years, Jesus. Well, that that would be, you know, 
evolving pieces of my initial group included my younger brother, his high school buddies, my college friends. You know, oh, yeah. we periodically get together and, and revisit things. And at the end, included my nephews. So uh, that's, th- that's kind of a family thing. The genesis of Mutant Crawl Classics was I I'd gotten into gaming. You know, as you as you get it may not have happened to you yet, but there'll be years where you know you have to go be a career guy or get married or have kids or whatever you fall out of it. I'd gotten back in around 2005 um, and my brother and I had a tech startup at the time and we're walking around with a lot of stupid money at the same time. Uh, Jim Ward was looking for angel investors to get the uh, fourth edition of Metamorphosis Alpha published. So my brother and I decided to do it and that was the start of my little indie game publishing company mud puppy games and it was a good i'm glad we got the book out but it was a big learning experience because we just didn't know what we didn't know when we didn't know it so we lost a bunch of money but we got the book out and um i became acquainted with jim ward and got back into gaming got me back into gaming and going to conventions uh then uh joseph goodman came out with uh the brilliance that is dungeon crawl classics I, i i i was going through one of those phases where i was looking to get back into some kind of traditional D&D. There's, you know, uh, this was before 5th edition. So 4th edition's out there. We tried it. Uh, we didn't care for it. Um, there are all these retro clones crock, cropping up, you know, Castles and Crusades, Swords and Wizardry, mm-hmm. um, Pathfinder, which became much more than that later. And uh, about that time is when Dungeon Crawl Classics came out. Just uh, There were playtests going on at conventions I attended that uh, before publication that I didn't know about. Um, Funny side story, I met Michael Curtis at a GaryCon when uh, he just walked up to my artist table and said, uh, I hear you're going into town to make a run. Can you get me a pack of smokes? Because he smoked back then. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I met Michael Curtis. That's crazy. So um, as, as I recall, uh, I was listening to your Spellbound episode. and You said on there that you were pitching uh, this to Goodman Games for a year. Is that right? It was probably longer than that. The, the The point is, I glommed onto Dungeon Crawl Classics right away because it wasn't. I mean, it's it was only technically a retro clone. Joseph had uh, mm. made a couple of, I think, uh, genius moves in there where he had gone back and uh, leaned into the appendix end literature that is in the original Dungeon Master's Guide that was the you know the the pulp genre stuff uh, yeah. that inspired Gary Gygax and. Um, and those guys. And so uh, it, that gave it a whole new uh, a flavor because things become less less and less. It's like Star Trek. Star Trek starts out as this anthology show to kind of do science fiction version of Jonathan Swift and Twilight Zone morale details. But the further Star Trek progresses, it becomes more and more about Star Trek. And yeah, D- yeah, totally. D&D kind of did that. And so Joseph just took it back to the original inspiration sources, and that plus the rule system he built, I was all in, and quickly realized that I, you know, spent 30 years wanting to write uh, my own version of Gamma World, and here was my entry point. This was the model. And so, uh, I guess what we should probably probably touch on, just for those listeners that don't know who have been living under a rock, um, you know what is Gamma World and and what is Mutant Crawl Classics? How did those? How did the one inspire the other? Well, I'll start with the easy part. Uh, Mutant Crawl Classics is the biggest Valentine I can. I'm capable of writing to Gamma World. Um, mm-hmm. Gamma World and the game that preceded it, Metamorphosis Alpha, both originated with uh, Jim Ward, and their uh, basic the, the 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 elevator pitch is it's science fiction D and D. 
the mm-hmm. same dynamic. You're a group of uh, adventurers out, you know, exploring the wilderness, going under str- underground, killing monsters, and stealing their stuff. I had a simple job, which was just do this all the same stuff Joseph Goodman did. So I, w- I went back and got uh, freshened myself up on, uh, you know, Brian Aldous books and Stanley Lanier and. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I thought I was properly caffeinated for this. You know, the, the <laughs> same, the same literature, much of the same literature that inspired Jim Ward to do Gamma World. I went back and reread and freshened myself up on and tied to that. So it's a much further in the future. Oh, Jack Vance, of course, a much further in the future. You know, it's, it's certainly melancholic, but the planet's recovering and, you know, the sun's red and bloated, but it still works. It's not that it's not the Mad Max road warrior thing. And it's not the, uh, you know, the, the Scott, the matrix thing where the sun never breaks through the clouds and everybody's running around in gas masks and it's very dark. And that was just my choice. It's a much sunnier post-apocalypse. You can even kind of tell that from the cover because of the colors. I know it's kind of similar to the old Gamma World ones, but like how oh, it's bright pink and green and yellow instead of, well, brown, which is the usual apocalypse palette, you know? Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I, I wrote to my personal passion. Oh, there was a lot of Jack Kirby's Commandy Last Boy on Earth in there because that's what I grew up on as a kid. But, uh, you know, I wrote to my passions, which is what you have to do in these things. Yeah. Because you it, you need that passion to carry you through all the rough stuff and rough patches and the hard work, you know. Exactly. Uh, I wanna I wanna um, sort of be real clear and lay down the law as a as a game designer or uh, just a gamer. I'm not, I'm one of those people who does not ever buy into you know these edition flame wars um, because when I grew up, you know, you were lucky to find a game store within, you know, a hundred miles to drive and get this stuff. And there were just a couple, three companies putting it out. I think my view of today is we just live in this embarrassment of riches. And if your play style is you want to play Pathfinder, that style, that's not my personal cup of tea, but you know, how many thousands and thousands of people enjoy that? And same thing with my little genre I've gotten off into, you know, I'm not saying my way is best. It's just the way I, I like the game and, since the book already went to second printing, lots of other people must like it too. Yeah, and and it's a good thing that it is going to second printing because uh, I, you have no idea the amount of people I have to kill to get a, a copy in the UK, man. It's, it's unbelievably difficult. These mutants are no teenagers. This is what I mean about we live in an embarrassment of riches because of a number of design intentional design decisions to mirror DCC as closely as possible. That was it for Mutant Crawl Classics, but there's another DCC-based post-apocalyptic system by Reed uh, Flippo called uh, America. Yeah, I've and, got that one. And, and basically, yeah. Reed and I had the same idea at the same time. He went a fanzine path. I pitched to Joseph and got in. But his stuff is wonderful, and it's slightly different flavored, where I'm I'm tied to all that fancy Appendix N literature and Commandy Comics in my head. Uh, Reed's stuff is much wilder and goofier and... and uh, maybe uh, closely matches Thundar the Barbarian with his version of different classes. And as a player, I would go get both and open it up to my players. Well, they're actually um, extremely compatible as well. They're obviously, um, technology exists in Mutant Crawl Classics, but there's no you can't play as a technology. You can't be a robot or a sentient microwave because the game is all about discovering those things, I guess. But if you wanted to and wanted to add that into your game, you could use the American survival guide and yeah, put in, put in one of those robots. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's great, and it's more power to you. The 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 thing, the the charm of that uh, genre fiction that started in pulp magazines long before any of us were born, and evolved into the paperbacks that were coming out in the '60s and '70s that and '50s that the generation before me read is that was before there were any rules. So, mm. I mean, if you go back far enough, the terms fantasy and science fiction don't exist. They were just doing. St- whatever they please. The Grice Burroughs mixes up, you know, romance, planet romance with ray guns with fantasy elements. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that's what's referred, that's what's mislabeled today as Gonzo. The game is Gonzo. What they really, uh, what, that re- what they're really trying to say and don't have the words for it is it's pulpy. Yeah. Right. An even better word would be Baroque. I mean, the reason we didn't get Lord of the Rings movies until the 21st century is because they didn't have the technology to throw that all up on screen. Hmm. And the old fiction is full of that stuff. Yeah. And this game features quite heavily um, uh, these old artifacts that we've mentioned so far. And one of the things I really, really uh, enjoyed about it was, you know, um, how all of this technology can have a kind of... Um, a personality because obviously this technology shows up all the time in mutant crawl classics right so the the fact that a lot of them are sentient and also have these um complication modifiers and things like this does that is that one something that you did kind of to mitigate the the amount that they used by players just so that was a desi- an intentional design decision to balance it out because as you say in dungeon crawl classics uh you know the the, the landscape is not littered with magic items to go mm-hmm. find like in some versions of D&D, and that being one of the main points of a post-apocalyptic game to go out and find the stuff and stack up the power so you can strengthen your village. I had to uh, uh, you know, balance that out, so I did it two ways, with the uh, AIs that a GM could put into any instrument, so it's now a talking sword equivalent. You know, you've got, you've got to have a discussion sometimes about what the sword or the uh, maser rifle is going to do, and that the whole thing generally hinges on power cells that's that's instead of gold silver and gems in mcc you're looking for power cells because in a campaign you will run through those pretty quick you're in big trouble if you ain't got many power cells and additionally like you that, know, if even if you find the most mundane of technology in such a kind of savage world as this players will find a use for it too even a toaster oh that's the best that's the best thing i do, i have been uh trying to build out mutant crawl classics with some uh books that I'm publishing just myself. I just did a Kickstarter for a small book called Check This Artifact, and it's just a little 50-page, 60-page book full of uh, more artifacts, because that book could only have so much in it before it turned into a doorstop, basically, yeah. was the basic problem. And, uh, you know, there is there armor and weapons and cool stuff to kill monsters in the new book? Sure there is, but there's also, like, you know, super-duper 30th century kinetic silly putty. Things that uh, are just fun and goofy to do in a game one minute, and then a smart player has figured out how to use it to break an adventure, which I adore. Yeah, yeah, same here. I I absolutely love it because the, the players always love that when they've got a gadget that seems to have one purpose and they'll use it for something completely different. I game with a lot of twenty somethings and thirty somethings, and they tease me and make fun of me because you know it doesn't matter what fantasy game we're playing i'm not my you know i'm not i don't care how many spells you give me i'm not going into that dungeon without my entire list if i can get it you know the 10 foot pole the rope in 40 i'm this is 40 years of gaming i've never used the wolf's bane once but i'm going in with it because the first time i don't i'll need it for something (laughs) yeah you know it's funny because i've been playing the uh cyber sprawl classics um 
mod for DCC recently, and the players actually found that they they felt like a little bit hamstringed because they don't automatically go out and buy a rope because you wouldn't in a cyberpunk universe, you know. Oh yeah, they need to go find their carbon nanofilament cord or something. Now bear my Arctic blast. I'm I, I'm just glad you guys are digging it. I'm appreciative anybody that buys you know my silly game and plays it. Uh, this I just I came fresh from North Texas Con down in Dallas last weekend, and it, I I, uh, I will uh, confide uh, an emotional state I had preparing for that convention. I'm working on my new superhero game, and I really need to play test that so I can get the bastard done right. Hmm. And this is the first convention in six or seven years i'm packing my game bag um and i'm not packing any mcc stuff or any weird dice in it and i had a sad over that but the re but the reason i can do that is because when i get to the convention there are plenty of other cats running mcc and playing mcc and having um a good time and i draw enormous satisfaction from that yeah that must be amazing i mean i haven't written uh, an awful lot of stuff but the very few times i get people is it saying to me oh, i played your game it's, it makes it all worth it but this must have taken you a, a hell of a long time to write because it, it is gigantic. I'm not a speedy writer as opposed to my good friend uh, Michael Curtis. You know, mm. that, that, son of, that son of a bitch can bang out five or 7,000 words in a day, you mm. know, <laughs> and, and is a better writer than me or a better wordsmith than me anyway. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, so it, 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 it took time. And uh, uh, for comparison and contrast, uh, Mutant Car Classics was really, I mean, I brought my own creative ideas to it, certainly, but the job was pretty simple. You know, mm. just Venn diagram Dungeon Crawl Classics and Gamma World and give it a lot of heart and passion and write 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 the best write the game you always want to play. Okay, that's that's one task. This uh, superhero game I'm working on now, I had the genius idea of, well, if I'm going to write the superhero game I always want to play and run, I need a whole new non-D20 game engine. And built it and have playtested it, and the game engine works great, but now I've got to build a transmission, a frame, brakes, you know, tires. I don't, I'm not sure if Gamma World had patron AIs in it originally, but I'm guessing no. Um, uh, not as such, but, uh, even in that very first edition, there were the think tanks and the, the, as adversaries, the big, you know, cybernetic networks and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. there, there, there weren't patron AIs. Um, that's me borrowing, uh, equal parts from Arthur C. Clarke and Jack Vance and the Jack Vance dying earth books. Um, it's the idea that the science has become so lost that it's regarded as magic. And, of course, Arthur C. Clarke, any sufficiently advanced technology will appear as magic. So that's just me dividing the difference and giving a uh, giving a system of patrons and deities to Mutant Crawl Classics, just like Dungeon Crawl Classics has. Yeah, and so they, they can grant shamans in – I'm doing quotes with my fingers. I know you can't see it, listener, but – um, yeah, it's like magic, right? But they're actually wetware programs using their thoughts and brains. They can uh, alter physics, essentially. Right. Um, uh, I mean, I, I put wild stuff into the game because it's the bane of every science fiction writer is how do you stay ahead of ahead of it when we already live in the Jetsons world? You know, the only thing we don't have are the flying cars, and that's because that's a dumb idea to <laughs> give a flying object to a human being to crash into stuff. Look, I, I know, want so, my flying car, all right? These, I mean, these... I grew I grew up on the original Star Trek, and we had we had those flip phones twenty years ago now. 
So, so, so writing science fiction now, you've got to get crazy and be up on your uh, real science, you know. So you can have a computer, a, a, a patron AI that uh, doesn't even exist on the physical plane. Its, it's uh, memory and programs are in shunted quantum networks that are stored in parallel universes. And there's a – well, my favorite one of all is Mangala, who really – he looks like Galactus from the Marvel vs. Capcom video games. It was a basically a Mars military outpost uh, AI that was on guard, you know, watching yes. for any traffic coming in from outside the solar system. Yeah, and guarding against aliens, black holes, that type of thing. He's, he's the he's the coolest one in my opinion. I like the fact that he can give you a suit of mechanical armor that transforms, or a beam sword. Let's 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 just talk about that specific guy for a second, and I'll give you Jim's system for how artists and writers create things, because I, awesome. I adore the Picasso saying that good artists borrow, great artists steal, that Steve Jobs co-opted later at Apple. You know, mm-hmm. what that means to me is that, I mean, uh, Shakespeare's there's only 12 plots thing, you know, in terms of, is there, are there, truly original ideas well maybe you know Edgar Allan Poe and Shakespeare and Da Vinci came up with it but most of us just take whatever our personal well of experience is the things we've read and been exposed to and figure out new ways to take it apart and jigsaw it together into something cool so Mangala is here's the here's here's the diagram of Mangala he's uh I need a patron AI and I need a military one. So mythologically, I start researching real world gods and land on um, – I'm, I'm going to slip and not remember the name, but the Hindu god of war mm. who, 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 who has, who, to whom he bears a resemblance to. And I only thought of that because of the Rogers Lanzi book, Lord of Light, in which – Oddly enough, it's a story about a generational starship like Metamorphosis Alpha that successfully made it to planet, settled it, and then the settlers rebelled. And the crew decided to drop the hammer on them and knock them back to the Dark Ages and rule the planet for them by assuming the identities of the Hindu gods. That's totally awesome. So, and that, oddly enough, Jack Kirby drew for a movie that never happened that was used by the CIA later as a cover to get hostages out of Iran and that was the movie Argo was based on all that so there's just this crazy thing and then Stefan Pogue who is uh, one of the uh, Goodman artists I adore his exact art direction for that was he's got this many arms he's got Hindu armor and uh, Jack, Jack Kirby him up as much as you can that's awesome yeah the artwork in this book is incredible and do you have Doug Kovacs working on it I, I couldn't help but notice at the front it said that um you were responsible for some of the art as well? Only one piece I slipped in just because we were shy on time and I already had the guy drawn. Yeah, I've got a, one of the AI patron gods that's sort of uh, an homage to Agent Smith and the Matrix. That's me. You kind of have this – it hits all the, the tropes and it has the things you kind of expect and a bit more. And, and I love like the gadget descriptions. Reading through all of them is so – entertaining and fun you you get the sonic spanner as i understand you're a doctor who fan right well I, 1979 was one of the golden years in my life because it's the same year i discovered dungeons and dragons our local tv station started running tom baker doctor who episodes hmm. and uh, so I, I i found out about doctor who i was like wait a minute I, i've seen this movie but the movie was really lame this is smart i like this I do want to go back and talk about the art for just a second because that's yeah, that's 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 half of the value of the book 
I mean, I'm prejudiced because I'm a writer and an artist myself, but uh, the, the, the art job and the art crew that are in that, um, and I, if I start rattling off names, I'll miss somebody that I love. But, I mean, Doug Kovacs, Stefan Pogue, uh, Bradley McDivitt, uh, uh, I, uh, who's not a regular uh, Goodman Games artist, I brought in – oh, this will be interesting. I brought in uh, Barry James. Uh, who's a UK artist that I uh, stumbled upon before I'd sold the game to Joseph. Barry helped me sell the game to Joseph. Um, we just so have, I don't know how we first got in touch, but he's, uh, he was a UK artist who was at that time, this is years ago, working on his master's thesis. And basically mm -hmm. what he needed were, 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 were texts to support illustrations he'd do for his master's thesis. And I'm trying to put together a playtest version of MCC and I need art. And so we just did a trade. And then I got him to come. I, I got him in to do a few illustrations in the published book. He, he's off being a fancy boy now. He makes good money doing very high end stuff. But that was when he was just working on his master's thesis. Yeah, I mean, but the, like you say, it's actually a huge selling point when a book has art as good as this. It's part of the reason actually I got into DCC in the first place, which makes me very shallow but i i, I don't care um so, well this I, is jim's publishing theory the cover art sells the book the content sells the next book yes that's that's and and that doug kovacs cover is gold oh man it is amazing and you know trying to pitch it to your game group as well and you go hey look this is what we're going to be playing and if it's just imagine if you just show them a white book with text on it they'd be like well i don't hey. want to bang on wizards of the coast but when the fifth edition books came out and I'm looking at the list. There's like 20 artists per book. And it, it's clear to me as an artist that they've been art directed into a kind of a house style. And, it, you know, it, within those uh, parameters, it's, it's beautiful. And it looks great. But I prefer the more Baroque approach where they're pronounced different styles of artists. because, And maybe that's just what I imprinted on with the original D&D &D books where I'm flipping through the book looking for the Jeff D's and the Errol Otis illustrations because those are the ones I really like. So, you finally arrived. What the hell are you wearing? It's my ass-kicking outfit, bitch! Do you want to plug your superheroes game, or is it too early? It's too early. I mean, I, I've i been playtesting it in conventions, and, uh, I, you know, I just... I, I, I don't want to create questions to answers I only have... To questions to things I only have partial answers for. Fair enough. So, is there anything else you got going on at the moment that you'd like to plug? Well, uh, uh, among your listeners uh, that are not in the United States uh, who like Mutant Crawl Classics and are into the digital version of things on their iPads and tablets, um, I just had a, kick a successful Kickstarter for a book full of artifacts that are uh, for, quote marks, any D20-based um, post-apocalyptic game. But, you know, because I wrote them, it, the fit and finish would go into MCC fine. It's called Check This Artifact, and you can get it on Drive RPG in PDF form. Um, I am selling print copies, but unfortunately, I'm not set up for international sh the nightmare that is international shipping. Yeah. And uh, there'll, be a, there'll be a sequel book to that that'll be kickstarting sometime this summer. That's just more mutant monsters and races and alliances the players can fight or join. Hell yes, that sounds like my cup of tea. Hey, listeners, go out and uh, go out and buy that right now. And if you don't, we'll be very angry. If you like MCC, you'll like Check This Artifact. Yes, I can tell you cool. that much. Yeah, I'm going to go on that then. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Jim. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. I have spells. I'm going to fly. You don't have enough points. I am the maze controller. So that was the interview with Womp Jimler. We are talking about 
I think that's right. Anyway, now on to re review book. Uh, you're not going to believe this, listeners. We've managed to get a copy. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I know they're very... Actually, they are hard to come by, to be fair. Yeah, true. True. Um, so, Mutant Cruel Classics, and as MCC, as I'm going to call it from this point onwards, mm -hmm. is, a compl is completely compatible with Dungeon Cruel Classics, the RPG. Mm -hmm. Similarly to DCC, it's all about discovery, mystery, plunging the depths of undiscovered ruins, and finding interesting slash scary stuff. The main difference being that while in DCC the hunt for treasure is like magic items and all of that stuff, in here it's replaced with the discovery of lost super science gadgets among oh, yeah. radiated wastelands and jungles. As a fantasy future game, obviously you'll still be exploring ruins, but it's more the ruins of ancient technologically advanced cultures. So you might go into an office building, oh. old office building. Yeah, building. exactly. Or, you know, like a sewer or something like this. An old McDonald's. An old McDonald's. <laughs> and you find some super science gadgets in yeah. there. Or a yeah. mutated burger. <laughs> you know what, that, that would work. Yeah. The book is set in a world called Terra AD. It's a primitive world which is racked by the side effects of an ancient holocaust. Oh, God, yeah. And this holocaust is known as the Great Disaster. And Terra AD means Terra, the world's name, after disaster. Ooh, clever. Since the Great Disaster, however, the world is repopulated and re regrown into a tropical wilderness. The people that managed to survive in Terra AD are all here because of natural selection. They are those people that have superior or malleable genes, and, and those are the ones that have flourished, basically. Yeah. And it's hot as hell in Terra AD, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's like a bloody greenhouse rain rainforest type That's atmosphere. why it's like so overgrown. Yeah, yeah. 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 Strangely, um, though, unlike our world, where humans were considered to be the dominant race and the most intelligent, the world of MCC is dominated by loads of intelligent life, form, mm. life forms, like many plants and animals now have like a basic understanding of reasoning, walk upright like humans, and similarly can use tools and communicate in a more sophisticated manner. And these races are known as plantians and yeah. manimals. Manimals, I love that word. It's such a good word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they, their genes basically change rapidly to fit their environment. Uh, the humans that descended from the humans that we know and love, you know, I do love them. <laughs> do you? Yeah, oh, they're great. <laughs> oh, they're humans, I like them. <laughs> they have conversely descended into savagery. Yeah. There are two types found in Terra AD, pure strain humans and mutants. Those are basically the ones that came from us, essentially. Mm -hmm. but the, the humans didn't survive due to ever-changing genetics, though they are here, and simply because over many years their, their genome evolved over time, the normal way, and eventually became inured to radiation and other mutagenic environmental effects. But most de denizens of Terra AD believe in uh, a long-dead race of people known as the Ancient Ones. This technologically advanced race made gadgets and machines from such advanced materials that they managed to survive the Great Disaster and also the ravages of time. So that's, that's essentially kind of the explanation for why all, all this shit is about. Mm, the Great Disaster. Apocalypse happened. Plants can walk. Yeah. And now go find a burger. Go find a mutated burger or some a coffee kind of machine. Old yeah. Some kind of old technology. You know, it's funny, there is there is something like that in the book. What the burger? No, the coffee machine. Oh, a coffee machine. I didn't see that. Yeah, really? you could you could befriend uh, a toaster if it had an AI in it. Oh yeah, I did see that. Bit. But um, Jim Wampler, the guy that made this, um, he made sure that the question as to what the Great Disaster actually is 
is never answered. Genius. So you don't know. It could have been magic. It could have been a bomb. It could, could have, have been, been a comet. It could have been yep. bloody disease. Could have been anything. And people around the world are going to have different theories as mm-hmm. to what it is, which yep. which actually makes it cool. And obviously, MCC is about discovery, mysterious lands, etc. And the book says that players should never be certain as to where it's taking place. Is yep. it an alien planet? Is it Earth? Is it the long destroyed remnants of a fantasy universe? Details doesn't matter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> get, get out of here. Get out of here with that. No, but I like it. It, it keeps it ambiguous and, um, and it gives and the players something to discover. Exactly, and that's yeah. it. Exactly that. Don't give. Don't. 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 Was it? Don't. Um, shoot. Show, show. Don't tell. So that's, yes, that's exactly. the whole thing about it, isn't it? I was going to say, don't shoot the messenger. But but all that. Yeah. That's all that's a good don't one. Do it. <laughs> don't do that either. <laughs> this is that concludes the advice corner. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's have a look at making characters in MCC, or from now on, I'm going to call it. Mech. Mech. Let's have a look at what your options are. We already know about plantians and manimals, pure strain humans and mutants, but what can they actually do? And how is this character built? Step one, get some clay. Step two, throw that clay out the window because we're saying RPG. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? It's ain't art class. Yes, we doing. <laughs> anyway, you roll ability scores, 3d6 in order, add ability modifiers, and then roll for beginning equipment and your profession. Now, Let's get into that because in MCC RPG, similarly to DCC, you start at level zero, usually finding your character of choice via a funnel, which in this, I think it's called the Rite of Passage. Okay. And basically a bunch of characters, you get like a stack of four characters and you run through an incredibly deadly dungeon. <laughs> and the one you have left at the end, you have a connection with and that's the one you that's have. That's your guy, that's your dude, yeah. And that's we'll do that's that. the yeah. Rite of Passage mm-hmm. or the funnel. Um and once you yeah when you start at level zero like you you get an occupation right and in dcc there's absolutely loads you can yep. be anything from a gong farmer which i am reliably informed means shit farmer <laughs> to a cheesemaker to a blacksmith whatever yeah but in this there are two two occupations to start with it's either hunter or gatherer mm. that's it mm-hmm. and the hunter starts with a spear gatherer with a sack <laughs> Take that. I'm going to use my sack I, on you. I hit him with my sack. It's time for the sack of doom. <laughs> yeah, but sack, you put rocks in it. That's true. That's basically a spear. That's, that's an angry sack. <laughs> that's an angry sack. <laughs> yeah. Watch out for my angry sack. <laughs> <laughs> but then, um, yeah, you uh, after you've picked one of these occupations, you roll for a birth sign, and this determines your character's lucky roll. So to give an example of this, the character might start with the birth sign Ragnarok, meaning they get to use their luck bonus on all melee attack rolls. Ooh, nifty. There's 30 of these, ranging from signs that affect your armor class to damage with mutations. Wicked. And once you've rolled your sign, you roll twice on a D100 for additional beginning equipment. You can get things like blow guns to a bone necklace to some beef jerky. Sweet. My favorite, however, is if you get on a 98 to a 100, you get a telepathic rat. <laughs> That's what everybody needs. <laughs> telepathic so, rat. Like most of the gear is like really mundane and then right at the end, telepathic That's rat. so sick. <laughs> yeah, go on, off you go. Yeah, and then it would, you, the thing is, if it read people's minds, mm. you how would you understand it? What, the rat? Yeah, if it was telling, I, I, I think I reckon it's more of a case of you can just command the rat and it does what you ask it to do. I don't you, know if it can. You know what? That's probably that. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> comes yeah. back and it's doing all these little hand signals. I just can't understand it. And like, what's that? Billy's fallen down the well. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Once equipment is done, you roll your genotype. Yes. This at level zero determines what race you are, but you only gain the bonuses of this race and its abilities when you reach level one. So don't try it. You cheating scum. <laughs> Last things to determine are your appearance and your alignment. The appearance tables only affect manimals, plantians, and mutants. For pure strain humans, guess what? You look like a human. 
But um, yeah, to reflect their mutated genome, all other races uh, roll on these tables. To give examples, you might be a mutant with a beak instead of a mouth, or you may have a serpentine form. So you're a big slithering monstrosity. Yeah. Um, animals who are humanoid animals have to roll for their animal subtype on yeah. the appearance thing. So you might be a fox, a gorilla, a cow. Feline, canine, amphibia, insectar. Yeah, in, in, in all of those, it's got like subcategories as yeah. well so you can yeah you can actually be a cow yeah see the thing is when we played mutant uh gen lab alpha all the animals in that that you can be are the cool ones yeah you could be all sorts of this you could be a fly yeah <laughs> grasshopper beetle buffalo antelope brown bear wolf being a fly would be handy i wonder if it, you, you are at like a minuscule size <laughs> just this tiny little fly flying around with a nobody can hear what you're saying and but for infiltration reasons, well, good. Amazing, yeah. But it's it just so when you get in there, you can't do anything. Or you meet a new person, like can someone swat that fly? No, no, it's a fly. Well, I suppose you would have legs. Is it fly-sized body with giant human legs coming out of it? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> mate. I, no, I'd probably. I'm just to be fair, looking at the pictures. Well, that's my house rule. If you if you roll fly, you're that's tiny. It. You 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 got a tiny body, but because you but you've got human-sized arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> that would look so grim, just this like... Because fl- like, you wouldn't even see the fly bit. You'd just see floating arms and legs. Oh <laughs> man, that's creepy. Yeah, um, so plantians have to do the same with their the, uh, with their appearance tables and they can be anything from a shrub to a mushroom to an apple tree. Oh man, yeah, everything. Yeah. Beaver tail. I don't even know what that is. It sounds gr- good. They could be gr- you could be green moss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what's so awesome about it. That's wicked. The, the Plantians, we'll get into them later because they're, they're so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, but lastly, you pick an alignment. And why am I mentioning this even? Because it, they're quite different in MCC. They're called archaic alignments. And they more represent organisations mm-hmm. and a belief system than a typical alignment, right? So each character is, is you know likely to believe one of these teachings. And most characters, for example, will start as the clan of Cog. And these people respect other intelligent life forms and seek to work together to survive. They often go out and try to recruit new people too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another called the Curators who worship ancient technology. And there's another called the, the Children of the Glow who believe that radiation is the personification of fate. So you can see how being in one of those belief systems results in your character being shaped and having an yeah. alignment i'm yeah. doing quotes with my fingers but it's not a traditional alignment no but it still gives it gives it gives it um kind of a, a framework for your character doesn't exactly it? Cool. and i think i can't remember how many there are but there's i think there might be nine i'm i can't remember but anyway let's get into the classes themselves in a bit more depth much like many fantasy osr type games race is class as well so obviously plantient mammal um uh, they're their own class so starting with the human classes we have the sentinel and these are humans that are extremely strong and as the book puts it favor the way of the warrior if yeah. you like a traditional warrior this is basically You're the, the one. sentinel yeah yeah they get 1d12 hit points at each level and they're good at understanding artifacts and artifact weapons and armor but we'll get into artifacts later um, next up there's shamans if you haven't guessed these are magic users and at level one they get an AI patron <laughs> yeah granting them access to wetware programs mm-hmm. and wetware is is this game's version of spells they're essentially computer programs implanted into a shaman's head that allow them to change the laws of physics and if that doesn't sell you I don't know what will you might you're a mad up now mate exactly. <laughs> then you're a manimal you're an absolute manimal <laughs> so um, having having a patron an AI patron also grants the shaman the ability to invoke this AI and uh, uh, you know get its help basically yeah 
and how often and to what degree depends on your bond with the AI and this is rolled using a table. Next there's the healer and if you give you five points if you can guess what they do. Uh, warrior? Mm, no. They like killing. They like, ah, that's the one. Yeah. No, they heal with one no. hand, kill with the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, these guys are more attuned to um, medical artifacts. So if you find an old medical machine, they'll they'll get a bonus for for using it. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to this, uh, they have a healing ability, obviously because they're healers, um, using a tradition which was passed down by word of mouth. They can use healing techniques two times a day per level and heal people for a certain number of hit points. Yeah. This is an invaluable fucking thing. But yeah, at level one, they can heal 1d3 hit points twice a day. At level two, they can heal 1d4 hit points four times a day, and so on. But the last of the human classes is the rover. You play a sentient 4x4 made by Land Rover. <laughs> that is a joke. It's a funny joke that I've written in there. <laughs> the rover is essentially your specialist thief rogue class. Yeah. They're, they're adept at circumventing the security of the ancient ones and sneaking around these ancient systems. As such, they have a bonus to these activities, plus one at level one, rising up to a plus eight at level five. There are, a few, there are a few class features, however, that all pure strain humans get. So in DCC and MCC, you can burn luck. Essentially, you drain your luck stat to add it onto rolls, and this is difficult to get back. And in con games, people always burn it to hell on the last boss. Yeah. Well, in MCC, all human classes receive the feature Darwinian luck. They regenerate spent luck at a rate of 1 per 24 hours, except rovers who regenerate 2. Wow. Yeah. And additionally, AI systems are more likely to recognize pure strain humans as ancient ones, which can be handy for a multitude of reasons. But essentially, when you meet an AI, you need to roll to see if it recognizes you as a person worth talking to. And this is often the first stepping stone on doing anything with an AI from getting information about an artifact to mastering the AI and harnessing its power. Mm. So yeah, bloody handy. That is wicked. They've actually made the human classes a bit more exciting, I think. That's true, yeah, because most most, uh, games it's like humans probably not as exciting as the other classes. Yeah, they're just just guys. It's just human. I don't want to play a guy, but then the, the actual thing they can do and the usefulness of all of these classes is... Is awesome. That's really cool. So this ancient AI might be like ah, and, think, and see it as it's one of its old creators. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, the only one that's like maybe slightly mundane is the Sentinel. But you yeah. got got to have one in there. Got a lot one. of people like to play it, and especially in a game where a lot of you know barbaric tribes and things exist. Being being a, a, a meathead who goes around swinging a sword, yeah, man, could be fun. Yeah, of course. Anyway, the other classes we got mutants. Depending on how your mutant turns out, they can either be the luckiest guy in the world or the most unlucky. You see, upon achieving first level, you, you receive 1d3 random physical mutations and 1d2 mental ones. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you could get you could roll the worst ones ever or the good ones, but physical ones in, include claws, holographic skin, new body parts, or wings. And the funny thing about this is, is that when you roll on these tables to determine what mutations you have, there, there are two types basically. You've yep. got you've got active ones and and passive ones, and then you've got obviously mental ones and physical ones. Mm-hmm. You know, mental include like dual brain, mind control, dual brain, illusion generation, things like this, right? And when you the the but the passive ones, the ones that you just get, for example, wings, you roll once to determine the effectiveness of them. 
So you might have a pair of wings on your back that don't do anything. <laughs> and so this is the thing with the mutant. You can get really unlucky and you can have all of this shit. Like you grow an extra arm and you're like, sweet, what does that do? Oh, it doesn't actually work. Yeah, it's just, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mate. So that's what I, th- I find that. It's, it's just a diminished little limb hanging off of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't do anything. Can't even slap. Oh. But that's what I like about this. Because yeah. um, it's very um, old school. In that, in that regard. Keeps it real as well a bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, you might just get a, a mutant that is a useless hunk of shit, but yeah. that's pops kind of... Uh, You're in a mutated, weird future, you know, there's going to be good stuff and there's going to be shit stuff. And you know what, it might actually be... Um, it might actually be fun to try and overcome adversity and it's like, oh, is that, is that dangly arm Dave? Oh, we'll see, though, dangle. His third arm don't even work, mate. <laughs> and and over like, years, he like, starts going to the gym and straightened <laughs> it out. Yeah. So, yeah, you could come up with a character with just a bunch of erroneous limbs. Mm. And that, to me, that's awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Now, it's worth noting that exposure to high levels of radiation can result in either losing or gaining a mutation. This uh, goes only for non-human classes. It's called rad burn. <laughs> rad, and that's not really good burn. Like a really, yeah. really good put down. Oh, sweet burn. Oh, oh rad burn. <laughs> yeah, if a mutant, um, uh, if a mutant loses all of their mutations for any reason right they just let's say for example they keep getting bad rad burn yep. and uh, then all their mutations get lost mm-hmm. they evolve into a pure strain human but they have to be at first level right. so you could be level 15 suddenly you jump into a radiated pool and uh oh all your mutations go your first level <laughs> stinker <laughs> if, in honesty it would be rare for that to happen but it can but it's possible yeah Yeah. and the last thing on mutants is that they get the class feature mutant horror Essentially, because they're so scary, they get an initiative bonus in combat. It's like everyone else is, is like taking a step back, going, whoa, look at this dude. <laughs> He's got four eyes. Yeah, next up, there's the manimal. Oh, as yeah. I mentioned before, these are animal people. They're seen as the descendants of creatures from before the great disaster. They're all bipedal, able to talk, which is handy. Mm. And um, so, like the mutant, they also gain mutations upon starting. However, they get less. And they have a natural attack, either a bite or a claw. Classic. Even if you're a cow. Um, <laughs> you ever been bit by a cow? Well, mate, a cow nasty. bite. Nasty, mate. Nasty. But especially when you, know, you get an angry cow. You're in trouble. You're getting bit. Yeah. Manimals also get a gang-up bonus when attacking the same target as a pack with other animals. That's cool. So you get a plus one to your attack every, for every adjacent... Sweet. Uh, yeah, animal. animal, yeah. So if you've got a... So, wow, so if you if your party's like free animals, yeah, that's a lovely a, little advantage there. It's actually a good reason to play an all-manimal crew. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that. Mm. Interesting. And, and lastly, we've got the old plantians. Yes, the plantians. These guys are plant people. They gain mutations at first level too and also have a uh, natural attack. But theirs is a spine or thorn missile attack. Oh, of course. Yeah, so they just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well nuts. good. This they also cool. have the ability fragrance pheromones, which means people are more likely to treat them in a favourable manner. This is this is due to the releasing of spores or gases. So you just <laughs> constantly go around spraying everyone like a fucking Febreze. You drop like, a fart yeah, and yeah. everyone's like, hello. <laughs> wow, you know, you know what I'm saying. I'm starting to like the cut of your jib. <laughs> yeah. Lastly, simply by standing in a forest area, plantians get a fifty percent chance to hide, and this goes up by five more percent every level. Wicked. So yeah, you could just stand still and, and then suddenly like, hmm, well that's just a pit of moss. Yeah, I paid no regard. And no, it's just me. Yeah, <laughs> that's sick. But next up, we'll talk about some mutations. Obviously, the game's called Mutant Cruel Classics. It's got mutations. Oh boy, surprising nobody. <laughs> 
But um, as I mentioned, there are passive mutations. And the way these work is when you gain the mutation by rolling randomly, you roll on the table for that mutation. And the result is how this particular mutation man manifests. As an example, you've got carapace. So you have a protective shell or hide. By rolling a 12 or a 13 on the table, your AC increases by 2. But if you get a 20 to 23, you get a plus 5 increase to AC, permanent obviously, and a plus 2 to fortitude saves. But your speed is reduced by five feet. Ah. So that's the thing. It, it, they can vary. And obviously you can lose the mutation as well. But the point is, is that, uh, yeah, to start out, that's what you got mm. as, for as, as long as you can keep it. And the neat stuff also comes with a price by the looks of it. So it reduces your, it reduces your movement. But yeah, because you you're a big heavy armoured yeah, fuck. Sense. Like yeah. you're just a giant crab. You've got an iron butt. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> if you roll a one, however, on, uh -huh. on any of these tables, you replace it with uh, the mutation with a defect, which I'll get to shortly. But then there's active mutations. These are like powers that can be used at will. For example, gas generation, where you exude volatile gases. You know, there's a lot of that talk in this there's episode. A lot of that in this, yeah. Uh, the lowest successful re result is a puff of gas that can blind <laughs> opponents, whereas the highest you release an explosive cloud of radioactive steam in a 50-foot diameter. You're unaffected, but everyone else in the cloud has to save against the mutation or take 10d6 heat damage, oh. and everyone affected gets one random mutation or defect. Ouch. That's yeah. sick. So it's like, um, it's a bit, is it similar to spells in DCC, then? It's Depending exact, on how it's, well you roll determines how good the uh, outcome is. That's exactly it, yeah. So it's basically the same thing. So it means that a lot of other classes, you know, they can now use all these wicked powers yeah man too yeah. not just you know and just the wizards haven't I like anymore. that yeah but there was, there's also mental mutations remember oh yeah um, yeah um, the mental mutations you know there's uh, a good example is there's one where you can vibrate molecules uh, or change the way they vibrate to make stuff cold and this oh, can wow. be this can be just giving someone a chill to freezing them in a big cube wow that's wicked so yeah that's a mental one and you, there's like mind control mind reading that type of thing crazy um, what about the uh, what about the defects though? defects is a good one um, death pretense much like a fainting goat whenever the mutant is shocked or surprised you reflexively feign death so this could just be anything just a scary monster comes out and you just go boom yeah, you just, just drop the on the floor so yeah that, that's what's so cool about the, uh, the the defects there's there's absolutely loads um, so on a two or a four on this defect you can fall into a coma for 1d10 rounds oh, that's good when you're in the middle of a dungeon <laughs> Um, there's one called asymmetrical body, where one half of your body can be tiny or massive. <laughs> so the, the image in the in the book is like this guy's got one massive arm and one yeah. massive leg. It's so it's so nuts, man. Oh. Um, there's there's things like uh, uh, multiple personalities, limb loss, and of course stumble bum. Oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> where the mutated party becomes a flailing lunatic, decreasing agility, and in some cases armor class too. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's a stumble bum. Yeah. Yeah, the defects are cool, man. Like the, and you can get them, uh, yeah, just by rolling badly. Even just using one of the, your mutations, your own mutation, yep. and then suddenly you roll a one. Uh oh, stumble bum, stumble bum. <laughs> There's also mega mutations. Ah, yeah. But I'm unsure as to what at what point you gain these or where they're given. Like right. I couldn't either. I missed that part of the book, but they're just better mutations, and I'm not sure when you're supposed to get them. How you can get at them? Yeah, mm. I don't know. It's weird, but anyway, they these range from exploding fingers <laughs> to metallic skin <laughs> to phase shift, where you can Ooh. pass through solid matter. That's cool. The mega mental mutations are amazing too. I like this because mental isn't used in the same way over this, over in the states as it is here. Because right. when they, it says mega mental mutation, man, sick, bro, that, that's mega, <laughs> mega mental. mental. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a DJ's line from like the late nineties. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, one of my favourite uh, mega mental mutations yep. is Time Lash, where you can manipulate the timeline of an enemy. So you can cause them to age rapidly. <laughs> On a, on a roll of a 16 to 19, they age 24 hours and just become tired and hungry. <laughs> but that, and this gives them like a minus two to all actions. That's brilliant. Um, but uh, there's there's other ones where you can make them age 10 years. Like <laughs> if you get a higher result, it's like boom. But you're like playing like a, whatever the version of poker is in this uh, apocalyptic future. Like all of a sudden you just start making them get older. So like their eyes start, starts going. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they get, they get dementia. <laughs> and they're like, what are we doing? <laughs> just, uh, you're losing. Oh, all right then. All right then. <laughs> all in, is it? All in, all right then. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So um, yeah, as you can see, the mutations play a big role in Mutant yeah. Classics. But is the game actually good to play? Uh, mm. Well... I'll give that a yes. Yeah, Sorry to totally. spoil the next But segment, it is. But it is. <laughs> yeah. It uses the DCC system. For, so for those that don't know, we'll go through a little bit of the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we're big fans of DCC, so obviously the game play good. But the dice chain is a big deal in these games. The DCC MCC line of products require you to have a set of weird dice or an app that allows you to, to use those. Exactly. Um, so things like D3, D7, D5... And in addition to bonuses, like I'll give you a plus two on that, you'll often move one step up the dice chain. So let's say, for example, you have a significant advantage in combat. The DM might go, roll a d24 instead of a d20 for yep. this attack. Yep. You know, um, and these extra dice mean that the jump between the dice use, uh, it isn't wildly out of balance. And so instead, it works like a variable bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wicked. Um, skills. They work thusly. If your starting occupation and class deems that you would be skilled in certain areas, you roll a d20 and add the correct bonus from your attributes. If not, roll a d10 instead. In DCC, for example, a farmer checking soil for some reason to take a d20. But if you're a cheesemonger or blacksmith checking the soil, you'd you be get able a d10. Ten. Yeah, you get exactly. A ten. There are no formal skills as as such, just mm. a background. You know, so that that's how it works. You just use things like um, agility for climbing certain services things like this yeah. the, but, but the thing is in, in MCC nothing's really changed except for obviously there are far fewer starting jobs so I, I don't know what what you do now what in, the, in, in MCC like, yeah because in DCC it was kind of like you, you would you would go oh, I'm a gong farmer I yeah. know all about picking up shit yeah. and, and you'd have certain skills based on that but in this is only hunter gatherer oh, yeah. so <laughs> you're yeah. really good at killing stuff or you're really good at collecting stuff yeah, um, but if you're going to use a, 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 a skill, you still um, you use uh, agility for legging it, luck yeah. for listening, or strength and agility for climbing, mm-hmm. depending on the surface. And of course, you're rolling these against a difficulty rating, 5 being easy, 10 medium, and 15 being difficult, and so on. I won't go too much to in-depth on the combat, but suffice to say, it's easy. Yeah. You roll initiative, determine your place in the combat, and try to hit people by beating their AC, standard stuff. Exactly. However, one thing that can make combat cinematic, swingy, and fun are the crits and fumbles yeah. tables. These are fucking awesome. Yeah. Each character has a crit die, depending on their level, so it might be a d10 to start and rise up as you gain XP. When you score a crit, you roll this crit die on a crit table associated with your class. And I don't know how many more times I'm going to have to say crit. Um, for example, on the rover slash mutant slash manimal crit table... A roll of a 10 is a masterful strike, inflicting an extra 2d6 damage. Ooh, or on a 6, your opponent is dazed by the attack. They take the full damage, and his speed and actions are reduced by half. <laughs> you can blind opponents with blood, get them in the eye, all sorts of stuff. Yep. And that's what makes it really cool, because a lot of times when you score a crit in a, another game, you know, uh, you'll know you be asked to narrate it, or the DM will narrate what happens. Yeah. But in this, you've got these cool fucking tables, and combat 
always goes in directions you're not expecting. Absolutely, Especially yeah. when you get to one where somebody gets, uh, if on a fumble table, which is when you roll a one, uh, you can get ones where, you, you know, you get tangled up in your own armour. Oh, mate, And like just yeah. either picturing that on the people, when, and you're trying to get your <laughs> your own hand, or you can hit yourself in the face, yeah, fall yeah. over, become a laughing stock. And it's amazing when an enemy uh, gets a fumble as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and e- everyone at the table is like, yes, because you know it's going to have some Dickhead. crazy effect. Yeah. It's not just like, yeah. oh, you know, here's a crit, fail, they fail. No. It's like this time, you, you're going down or... It, Cuts in his the own arm off. We had in, in our actual play of DCC where... Um, the guy it said your attack blinds you temporarily yeah. and he was attacking with a pen so all the ink went <laughs> in his ink, eyes ink went in his eye yeah. I'm blown <laughs> I've been blown <laughs> bring it down for a minute let's talk about Calm death oh. <laughs> <laughs> when you reach zero HP you die but you may be saved you have an amount of rounds equal to your level to save a person that has re- reached zero HP this is called bleeding out they have to be administered some kind of healing. This can be a heal check or a heal ability from someone playing the healer class. But a character saved in this manner suffers a terrible scar and permanent loss of stamina. Mm. Now, there is one more way of saving a downed friend called recovering the body. Oh, yeah. If a character gets to the dead body of an ally within an hour of them falling, the dead character makes a luck check when his body is turned over. If they succeed by rolling under their current luck score, well, it turns out they weren't dead, just unconscious or incapacitated in some way. It's a rule I don't actually use, and I've been given some flack for that in the past. We're not used to recover the body in a game. We used it once. I was going to say, we had and then definitely I, and then I used it once. Because I, fe- I, th- I felt it made it too easy. A bit OP. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, know if it is or not, but if a character makes is very careful, and I've got a, like a 16 for luck, you know, yeah. and they need to roll under 16, they'll just keep coming back. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I'd, I'd put, to me, 0 HP is death. Or at least somewhere near that. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it, 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 normally, normally it's like you're down to zero, you need to do a roll, yeah. or they're gone. Yeah, exactly. Simple you know, because somebody will get to them, try and heal them, whatever. Yeah, and if, if you fail, well, that's it, say bye-bye. Whereas we've recovered the body, I guess, if you've always got that high high dice roll, you've got a much higher chance of... You're like the Resurrector. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is, is that um, when it comes down to it, the, you could do that character goes up, makes a healing save fails then flips the body he goes right no other way and then they go <coughs> oh he was there he was alive <laughs> yeah it's weird okay yeah but anyway um, characters who survive in this way will take a minus four to all actions for the next hour and also sustain a permanent injury yeah. this time however it's in the form of a permanent stat loss to either strength agility or stamina now that's a pretty much simplified version of how to run the game obviously luck rolls morale saving throws all of that shit comes into it too but there's one golden rule about the DCC MCC line of products rulings not rules oh yes if the judge or the mutant lord <laughs> that's not what it's actually called but oh, that's my that's, that's my custom one. name yeah, why yeah. Not? rules something a certain way that's how it plays out so they might change the rules based on specific situations or make new ones for very specific situations as such, the actual how to play the game segment is quite short and simple, which makes the game easy to play and learn. Um, but, yeah, as I said, if the judge rules it, or the mutant lord, mm-hmm. then that's it. That's, that's the rule. Yeah. That's how it is. So, yeah, that's what I like about it. The, yeah. You know, the the segment on actually playing the game is tiny, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's more of a, a guide to how to play the game and how to run it. Which is awesome, um, rather than just having a bunch of specific situations all stacked yeah, out. Exactly. It gives you the tools to do anything. In anything you want, yeah. It makes it, it really with, open, with one, doesn't it? Yeah, with yeah. one simple system, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 
But with that out of the way, the next section of the book covers the AI that you'll meet during play. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> and this is what I was talking about earlier. So these AI vary hugely in how they work and what their purpose is. But one of the main ones being that certain godlike ones can be patrons to a shaman or indeed any character. In the case of the shaman, this means that they can call on the help of an AI. In any case, when first meeting an AI, you must roll to be recognized as a worthy user. This role is modified by several things, such as being dressed in the clothes of the Ancient Ones, having visible mutations, or maybe modified by the type of AI. So Mm. a domestic appliance, like a toaster, that's an automatic plus one because they're not picky. They're not like super smart, sentient AIs. They just want to make toast for you. Just a toaster, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thing is, you want to hack into that toaster, it's going to be easier. Unless you don't like toast, then you've got a different situation altogether there. Yeah. What do you mean you don't like toast? Imagine if you did this whole quest and the, the end prize was a toaster... And then you get to the end and like, I li- I know like toast. Well, you better get the hell out of my dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> the dungeon of the toaster, yeah. coming soon. <laughs> often, though, even often though, even be being recognised by the AI isn't enough. Past that, they might have security clearances, especially on a toaster, man. Those yeah. things, you've yeah. got to lock oh, them down. Whoa. Don't want somebody putting sausages in there and starting a fire. <laughs> yeah, so they might be locked by, uh, you know, a series of questions, a password, a retinal scan, whatever. Like games from the 90s that were uh, aimed at adults. Exactly. <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> Leisure exactly. Suit Larry. Do you remember you had to answer like a, a really weird question? Yeah, it would be like, the game. what is um, the first word on the second line of page six? Yeah, and, it's like, and you've got no internet. So it's not like you could check it. So maybe you walk up to the toaster and it's like, tell me the name from the manual and you're like fuck <laughs> just what bits of toast with toast um, <laughs> tea correct correct <laughs> security clearance granted insert into me <laughs> oh my god you know the funny thing is is that that thing about the um, putting sausages in a toaster somebody actually did that where I used to work don't say penis no no, a real no it was a real sausage oh, okay good <laughs> yeah yeah he cut them in half and tried to cook them in a toaster no, the fat obviously up. dripped onto the element and oh. then it, it just it just started a big old fire oh. fire brigade got called and shit man oh. it's like it, putting a fork into a toaster when your toast stuck it's like come on just use a chopstick man Anything. I do it man I like to live on the edge I'll just oh, jam right. that fork in get there. in there for no reason <laughs> every day just, just to see what's going on the toaster's up. like stop it you're hurting me why <laughs> why was I born <laughs> oh, yeah, um, the book gives basic stats for most types of AI you're likely to encounter two, four different types of Android, three computer AIs, three hologram types, and so on. Holograms it's, are hilarious. Yeah, and there's, they're basically like hard light holograms yeah. as well. And you've got um, robots too, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about patron AIs. That's why we're really here, right? Yeah. The big, powerful beings. They grant powers to shamans and are the big players in Terra AD. When selecting a patron at level 1 for shamans, they must roll on the patron AI bond table. This, in general, commits them to a lifelong servitude yeah. to the AI. Rolling on the patron AI bond table will determine, obviously, how strong your bond with the AI is. So, the lowest possible result will allow you to invoke the AI once a week. But the highest result on this table, however, will mean that the AI considers you to be an integral part in achieving its goals. And you can use it four times a day with a plus two bonus to the program check. And you get a gift of two wetware programs relating to that AI. And you can run these programs in place of Patreon AI invocation, basically. So what is bloody AI like? Well... The best one is Mangala. <laughs> yeah. He used to be a space probe agency AI and was tasked with monitoring incoming threats like alien invasion or black holes. And he has, he still has super space age weaponry and is networked to a group of like-minded AI who exist in something called the Matrix of Entropy. He hates anything alien in nature and expects his fol- followers to maintain a suspicion of the unknown and to shoot first, ask questions later. 
He looks like an ornately armoured man, has four arms, red skin, and rides an armoured gigantic horse. He appears to characters as a 15-foot-tall hologram. Anyway, to bond with him, you must find a pair of Mangala braces. These are Jura... I can't even bloody say this. Jura alloy circuit bands that fuse to the wearer's skin. When invoked, Mangala will do a number of things, but let me read the result for the lowest possible success on the invoke patron table. (laughs) Mangala regards your pathetic connection attempt with utter disdain, since it's obvious to him that you need some more backbone with which to marshal your weakling prospects. He grudgingly and temporarily grants the shaman 1d6 of strength. And these points of strength can only be glow-burned as well. Uh, They don't actually contribute to attack modifiers or strength checks. He just adds strength points so that you can glow-burn him. Glowburn is essentially, you know, chopping into your body um, to yeah. make mutations or wetware programs more powerful, um, which is awesome. But conversely, a higher result on the Mangala table. Mangala, <laughs> Mangala, Mangala. He crea- Mangala creates and grants the shaman the use of a microscopic black hole. This miniature dark star appears as a marble-sized hole in the fabric of reality that orbits the shaman's head until commanded <laughs> to attack. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And, and he's just the coolest he looks like fucking Galactus he's so sick yeah he's got a giant horse oh he's the best he's, yeah it's so, cool uh, rolling low on wetware program checks or invoke patron checks can sometimes net you a patron taint yeah this is often to do with the fact that the patron is annoyed by your poor efforts. So some of the effects are cool, some are bad. For example, Mangala may embed a gem into your head, which forces you to act more viciously when threatened. You basically just dart forward. The first time somebody looks at you and you get in a fight with them, you just dart forward and, start, and you're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's the gem. It's the gem." Yeah, and uh, or metallic spikes. Yeah, exactly. But he might actually turn your skin red and shiny while increasing your muscle mass as well. So he's just like, puny waste of space. You need to be a red hulk. Yes, (laughs) I accept none but red hulks. But as I mentioned before, the shaman will be granted access to certain wetware programs when partnering with the AI. These function exactly like spells, as I said, and uh, complex, they're complex programs embedded in the brain of the user that can alter reality. The first spell gained from Mangala is Plasma Sword, where you're transferred via Transmat Beam, a powerful beam weapon. So it's a lightsaber. Yeah, Plasma exactly. Sword. Exactly. Depending on the role, it can be more or less effective. You might get a Wicked Sword, you might get a shit one. But the third spell that you get from Mangala is Powered Assault Armor. Depending on your role, this can be anything from a form-fitted mesh armor to a multi-mode mecha, 16 foot tall. And it can change modes easily too, changing to bipedal legs or tank tracks or become an aircraft. And it's armored with all sorts of goodies like laser rifles, grenade launchers or a stomping attack. Um, so yeah, you can. Ba- he gives you a transformer, basically. Yeah, which is exactly. incredible. Exactly. Like, that. Yeah, so nineties man. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's one patron, and there's a good amount of them. They're all brilliant. From the from Tetraplex, a transcendent extrapolating term research AI. Yep. To I think it's either M E to the power of ten or me to the me, power. Of me 10. to the power. I don't know. Yeah, me. To, I, that, yeah. I love that because um, he, he's he's like an old man, isn't he? That projects yeah. out a um, hologram. Exactly, and yeah, he's he's known as a mnemonic entity times ten billion. So it's raining outside. It's the end of the world. Yeah. Well, hopefully that means we'll be in a situation like mutant called class. I was about to say, right? is the event coming? I want a good, I want a good <laughs> mutation. I want to be a plantian. <laughs> yes, I do. I, yeah. <laughs> we we round off this main subject though um, by by t- looking at some of the artifacts of the ancients. Oh, yeah. 
The, the game revolves heavily around the acquisition of ancient tech, and the book does not skimp. You've got Dazer pistols, you've got Phaser pistols, you've got Maser pistols, laser and laser like, pistols. Yeah. All on the same page there. Maser rifle, laser rifle. Yeah, laser they, rifle. they all come in ra- rifle form yeah. too, and there's all manner of grenades, swords, armors, things like this. But there are so many awesome examples of these, I'm just going to give a couple. They're like the force field belt, which grants shields against radiation, gas attacks, and physical damage, or power armor, similar to Fallout, yeah. or a fusion torch, which would have been used to cut high-density materials, but can now use, be used to hurt people. Yeah. Which is awesome. And that a glove's cool. It, it holds a charge in the glove, and then you can yeah, pull people up with it later. That's awesome. Yeah. And for the Doctor Who fans... There's the Sonic Spanner. Yes, it's in there. Yeah, they called it the Sonic Spanner for copyright reasons. But yeah, essentially, <laughs> yeah. Um, is you can use it on locks and, yeah. and mechanical small mechanical devices to vibrate them using the Sonic Spanner. Pretty awesome. They're all really <laughs> yeah. good, like, and they they are proper nineties, like a yeah. lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but there are some caveats to using these wicked devices. There's a tech level assigned to each artifact, which categorizes it into a general. Uh, level of technology now the only reason this is going to be really used is because you might cap uh, using tech level to certain levels okay so you might go oh that's tech level six you can't use it until you're that until level. you get to level six it's, that's, that's cool. if you want to control the power of the game you, you don't you don't have to do that but there's also complexity modifiers which are representative of the actual complexity of using the device oh, the yeah. book gives the example of grenades they're complexity level one that's the lowest so mm-hmm. um, because grenades are easy to figure out either pull a pin press a button and throw it easy for it to figure out whether you can actually walk away from it after you figured it out <laughs> if you don't thing. figure if you don't figure out and you just pull the pin out and you go oh it does nothing and you just hold it Boom! <laughs> yeah, goodbye, hands. <laughs> yeah, but in in order to understand and use these devices, you must make an artifact check. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, pure strain humans get bonuses to this, and mm. this is a D twenty plus intelligence plus your class's artifact check bonus minus the complexity modifier of the device. Yeah, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So there are a few more rules for artifacts, but this segment is way too long, yeah. so we're going to stop it there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's talk about presentation, yo. Right. This is one of the nicest books I've ever seen by a man. The cover, Doug, Doug I love Kovacs. the colours in yeah. the colour of the cover. It's a, the cover's like bright pink and green. It's like the proper, like, this is a post-apocalypse game that is proper 90s. Yeah, proper 90s. And, you know, it obviously came from Gamma World and shit, so it, all the art really reflects that. It's yeah. over the top, it's crazy. It's got really nice black and white ins- inside art, mm-hmm. and you the inside cover has the whole map of Terra AD, yeah. and you get a poster map free with a bloody you game. Do, stuck yeah, in the laminated poster map. So good. And uh, like um, the DCC products, it's laid out perfectly, yeah. and every single piece of art, you can stare at it for months Absolutely. if you were a psychopath, but maybe for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, spot on with a presentation, really. It's easy. It's easy to follow. Like you said, there's a. The, it gets the you know how to play the game bit out of the way nice and quickly, which is a small section, and the rest is just fantastic, fantastic fluff about artifacts, gods, you know, AIs. Uh, spe- I mean, this, the well, the wetware section's vast. Um, it's cracking. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, like you said, all black and white and all that kind of. It's OSR art style, but obviously yeah. it's depicting futuristic shit rather than older shit. But again, even that's kind of got that. It reminds me of something that I, I, I remember from a kid. I think it was one of those old Ian Livingston Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yeah. And it was a post-apocalyptic future exactly like this one. If any listeners can 
remember which one it is yeah tell me so uh, yeah mutant crew classics it's fucking cool it really is. really really decent uh, go out and buy it um and there's loads of adventure modules for it there are i've got one uh, a fallen star for all yeah. where, where everyone's racing to get to a comet i think what's they, the um what's one i got you a little while ago when it's an old god that's become a prison oh that was imprisoned in the god skull that's a dcc oh, one. dcc not mcc but there's another yeah. one i got that's a supplement for it that's called the the data orb of the meta kind that's the one and it, this is essentially the book is the data orb yeah the whole book got is it, that, yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. Really, really creative and cool. So, um, yeah, I guess, how many thumbs up you give this one, Nick? I give I, I give it, uh, I definitely give it five mutated thumbs out of five. It's one of my favourites. So, just one hand with five thumbs. Five, yeah, all thumbs, all mutated in green. That's a good score. <laughs> that is, that's the highest <laughs> thumbs Nick's ever given. So, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love Mutant Call Me classics. too, man. That's it for this sug- seg- segment. Segment. That's yes. it for the segment. Let's get on to something else. You bunch of mutants. <laughs> you goddamn animal. <laughs> the caution that you lose. Do you, you know, know this place? place? Between the flame. The, the boy, boy is, is tough. The boy came with the big cars, friends. Defend. One became a guy because I was crazy. Insane in the membrane. Brain in the oven. Insane in the membrane. Um, you've obviously just hear, heard a very weird jingle just then. And I will explain what this segment is, <laughs> I promise to you. So, um, when I was a, when I used to work for a bicycle company... No, I don't want to incriminate anyone. When I used to work for nobody, I um, used to do... We used to pass a lot of time by um, putting stuff through Google Translate oh, and translating God. it back. Yeah. And um, when, I, uh, when we put the lyrics to Insane in the Brain through it, it came back with... Insane in the membrane, brain in the oven. <laughs> so that that explains that. So essentially, what I've done is I've translated. You know the uh, the the blurbs from the back of the book. Yep. Of uh, a lot of RPGs or RPG products, I put it through fucking Haitian Creole to Japanese to Chinese and then back to English. <laughs> and let me tell you, man, it gets fucking weird. It's been on a journey. And you got to guess the RPG. So oh, question God. one. Okay. So RPG one. Originally published by Iron Wolf and Iron Pro Balls, vampires bring the first story discoveries. This is the first best thing in the world, and that's why the great idea is the idea of Jan Weiss. What RPG is that? <laughs> the only thing I can think of is Vampire the Masquerade, because it's yeah, a vampire. Spot on. Yeah, yeah that's, that was that's an easy one. That's the only one that gave it away. Yeah, so, number two. Hunters join the universe, serve all types of rape by the government. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot to warn that this does get a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> serve all types of rape by the government to try strong forces use bribery murder spying diplomacy war bookworm rape was abolished rape by violence against humans the earth and the sun's population the perpetrators accused of fulfilling the agreement and even those who developed explosives and even guards were paid for blood transfusions researchers have found that insecurity and evil spirits threaten their lives threatening their lives in England sorry that was a long one the other ones are shorter I promise <laughs> And that was just a bunch of nonsense. Fuck is that? Rippers? No, you're Only wrong. because it said London. That was Judge Dredd. Oh shit! Okay. Now this is this this next one, right? This is where the Google Translate really took a shit. Oh yeah. And this this gets weird because some of the words that he came back with weren't even English. <laughs> New Nanaga. I Landalogi. <laughs> oh no. Newton and magic victory. Nugan does not have zero. You do not have people in disaster. Mutant seekers, robots, killer. Destructive debris to protect ancient science. Nugan. Look for victory and technology. You can afford the highest possible medium. <laughs> Lugan. Nugan. What the fuck's Nugan? 
I don't know, but it kept saying it throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Why did the last There's one a bit say rape all the time? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's so bizarre. <laughs> okay, this is the last one. Okay. Okay. A man how. Man so bored capera to our man. <laughs> Just really. All right, immediately, she is the beauty of Texas. Texas's mother's cocktail. <laughs> and she is... <laughs> Texas's mother's cocktail. And she is back in Texas, and her abilities include the ability of the bath. (laughs) (laughs) You are a state. John Texas. (laughs) And love passed the cow. And put in a pine box. Texas, you've got one Iteng who is looking for a lady. Quan. Advanced devices on encrypted emoticons and other similar buildings in the local yard. It is beautiful. You others have died, but a little different. It's like an advert for Texas. You are Texas. That is ETU. That is. I like that at some point. It's like it said Pine Box. That's John right. Texas and Love Past Cow. Yeah. It's like, that That could be a name of a character in ETU if you're really uncreative. Right. I'm John Texas. And I got a cow. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's that's broken. Oh, it really is. That's wicked though. All right. So that was um, Brain in the Oven. Brain in the Oven. <laughs> Next up, we're going to move on to some dragon or blagon. Do, oh, yeah. do a little quiz bitch. Quiz bitch. Roll up, roll up. Come and play dragon or blagon. A game where you could win big. Under this box, do I have a dragon? A mysterious creature of mythical origin? Or is there in fact nothing? Am I blagging? Well, find out now. Only £10 ago. You, sir, come and play the game. Who? Me? Yes, you. Come on. Come and play. Dragon or Blaggin? Welcome to Dragon or Blaggin. Um, and this particular episode of Dragon or Blaggin is... Um, is it a beer or is it a game? That's one of life's greatest mysteries. Yep, that is. So I'm going to give you four names and you need to tell me out of these them four names which one is the beer and not an RPG game. Got you. Okay. Number one, we have Heavy Gear, Noctum, Hoppy Dragon, or Wayfarers. Hoppy Dragon is the beer. I've, I've, I know that one, sadly. And also Heavy Gear. I, I was looking at buying that recently. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> there, well, that was quite an easy one. Uh, next one, um, Space Station Middle Finger, Warheads, Hill Folk, or Bash. <laughs> they all sound like the names of ales. They literally do. <laughs> but I'm going to go for Bash. <laughs> Incorrect. It was Shit. Space Station Middle Finger. That's a beer. <laughs> yeah, that's a beer. That's a good name that's for That's an beer. ale. Uh, next up, um, Daredevils, Bitter Woman, Blue Rose, or Diomin? Diomin? Uh, so which one is the beer, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for Bitter Woman. Yeah, well done. There. Yes. Yep. Bitter Woman. <laughs> I'm getting so many points. There man. you go. Yeah, you're doing well. Next up, Dragon Star, Happy Birthday Robot, Lightspeed, or Amber's Hot Friend? Hang on a minute. So... The, I, the thing I'm not focusing on here is the fact that a lot of these are games. Every, every so yeah, three out of the four are games. The RPG fuck is Amber's games. Happy Robot? I'm gonna go for that for the beer. Which one? Amber's Happy Robot. No, you got that. You've mixed up two there. So oh, is shit. it Dragon Star, Happy Birthday Robot, oh. Lightspeed, or Amber's Hot Friend? I'm going for Happy Birthday Robot. That's <laughs> no, a game. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. What the fuck is that? Amber's hot friend. That's the beer. Okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> right, what the this fuck is that? What was the, what was the name of the game? Happy Birthday Robot. Happy what Birthday the... Robot. What is it? Yeah, it's a tabletop RPG. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> great. We'll look into it later. Watch this space. Yeah. Lastly, there's two here. Uh, it's two beers. Even More Jesus, Cult, spelt with a K, Hoptimus Prime. <laughs> I, think, I think we've spotted an obvious one here. <laughs> and, and Quinn. 
Okay, I'm going to go for Hoptimus Prime and Quinn. <laughs> One's correct. Hoptimus Prime is, of course, a beer, and the other one is Even More Jesus. That's a good name, man. <laughs> I once went to an ale festival, and all of them had completely wacky names. There was yeah. one that was brewed specifically to be really strong and barely had any flavour, and it was called Slap in the Face, but they had an even stronger one called Punch in the Face. That's brilliant. <laughs> and it was like a 10% ale. It was oh, good, man. Oh, oh, oh. So, someone on there called Robohop, but I thought that. No. That's good. But, um, so... With this segment, I got a lot of points. Did I? What did I win? Uh, you won a uh, slap in the face. Yes. <laughs> you nice beer. Um, all right, so that's it. And next up, we're going to move on to some electro letters. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's do this, shall we? Shall we do Sh- this? Shall we do it? I don't know, man. I don't know. Our listeners, you know you know these guys, man. <laughs> oh, oh I, know these guys. I know these guys. I think they want to hear the electro letters. All right, we'll do it. We'll do all it right. this once. And then that is it. That's you it. Lot. I'm sick of your misbehaving. Sick of it. Get out. <laughs> In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. (laughs) So for Electro Letters, we ask for your weirdest, stupidest ideas for RPGs that you think would actually be fun. Yeah. So I didn't want to, I was going to go for just weirdest and stupidest, but I knew what these these idiots would do. (laughs) So yeah, they have to, the caveat is they actually have to be fun. Yeah. Now we start with one from Victor Ulansky. He says to mix DCC with the characters slash spells slash locations from Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards. Uh, what? Now I have played Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards. What? It's a card game, card game, but I don't remember anything about it. So okay. I'm going to assume that's on a good, that's a good idea, and we're nicking that and copywriting it. Thank you very much. Next up, Matthew Jones comes in and he starts off strong, a Pokemon style game where you collect different naturally occurring vape juices to cast vape cloud-based magic. Get out, Matt! As a vaper, that angers me. You make me sick. <laughs> See, as it, he had me at Pokemon-style game. Yes, oh, yeah. Immediately, oh, yeah. my thoughts went to, hey, you know, let's collect goblins, orcs, yeah, ogres, yeah. and fight them in an arena. That's cool. Next but, up, uh, Sid Andrews comes in. He says, I have wanted to run Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy game, probably using Savage Worlds. It seems like it would be a silly and fun game. It would probably be a flop. No, I think that'd be good. It might be, but in, if you put the, uh, what is it, the infinite improbability drive in there? Oh, right, I, I haven't yeah. read it in a while, but I think you can just end up anywhere, literally anywhere. That's it might, true. It might become one of those lol so random type things. Oh, God. Well, I guess, like, the thing is, you could just do a sci-fi game that's a bit wacky. Yeah. You know, and just borrow bits from, from Hitchhiker's Guide. Red Dwarf, Guide. Hitchhiker's exactly, Guide, like, you yeah. know, because those are essentially just poking fun at sci-fi whilst also being, being in sci-fi. sci-fi. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, That's good. Next up is Uncle Jay Raz. He says, I want to run Flash Gordon or some sort of space pulp type game influenced by my favourite genre of music, stoner rock. <laughs> the Marijuana Noughts of Mars or the Lone Stoners of Saturn. Something like that. <laughs> Travelling through the Hashteroid fields to reach the fertile <laughs> green planet Lomia. Wicked. What does Lomia mean? Don't know. Okay, me neither. I, I never d- knew. I never knew there was a thing called Stone Rock. Oh yeah, uh, Pearl Jam is Stone Rock, I think. Really? Isn't it? I don't know. Do they just never? They never get that excitable. It's just no. Like- <laughs> you go watch them at a show, mate. Half of them are asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. You know, the the funny thing is, is that I had a. Uh, I've got a mate who listens to some genre of music called um, Stoner Doom. Oh my! And in Stoner Doom jazz. Stone of Doom, but the thing is that they're like they're like two polar opposite of each other because like stoners are generally normally quite kind of chill and that. Not if you're paranoid, you're not. Yeah, that's true. That's, there's a lot of doom there. That's where the doom comes in. <laughs> James Bonner comes in. He says the players are simple creatures trying trying to simply enjoy life in their dungeon. 
but have to embark on ridiculous adventures to acquire greater power and dangerous guardian monsters in order to protect their home from the constant invasion by heroes seeking glory. Cool. Great idea. Yeah. Shogun Pumba from Dem Drunk Blokes comes in with, uh, what about a fantasy game where you actually run a shop or a tavern, have to deal with stock requirements, dealing with customers who are all extremely typical hero trope, like people and security of your establishments as well. Yeah, that is a great idea. That That's a great one. fun. Imagine just having like a magical general store. Yeah. And all your job is dealing with annoying adventurers. Yeah, and you know what? That can actually feed into the story of an RPG as well, because you have to go and acquire things to sell in your shop. That is so yeah 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 that's wicked or you get people or like salesmen come in and you know you can like try yeah, and, and get... the big wigs at a co- coke corporation are coming in trying to buy your mag- magic item store and you're like <laughs> fuck you I don't want your money I want to play that can we play that right them drunk blokes invite us over buy a shop in Lamentations it can happen man <laughs> yeah mate that is so sick uh, okay so Torrey B. Peterson he says uh, current I don't know it's a, it might be a woman well she says currently working on a one shot where the tinfoil brigade find out that they were actually correct and they're the only ones who can foil the Illuminati's nefarious plans. <laughs> this includes Theresa May as a reptilian flying monkeys, <laughs> Boris Johnson on his bike and Lord Buckethead into Galactic Star-Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a genuine theory that people have about a guy with a bucket on his head? What, Intergalactic Star-Lord? Hope so. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's as ridiculous as the reptile thing. Tor, tell us more. The thing is, is that most of those conspiracy people are also stoners. So uh, this could be linked yeah. to fucking um, the Uncle Jay's game. There we go. But then you get, you get a bunch of weedy, nerdy-ass stoners just trying to save the world. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> but they can never get around to actually doing it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'm going to save the world eventually. Should we eat first? Yeah. <laughs> they don't got any biscuits. <laughs> Lewis Pineda, he says, I did a Savage Worlds one-shot for my group that was the Multiverse Action News Team. Oh. Basically, intergalactic Ron Burgundy types covering the all crazy, all the crazy shit that happens involving Rick and Morty, Purge Planet, Cronenberg Planet, King Ticklebean. <laughs> I wish I knew what any of that meant. King Ticklebean. <laughs> King Ticklebean's a great name and I'm going to nick it. But um, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what all that, all that means, but that's a great idea. He says he also ran Nightmare and Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. All the Muppets became p- possessed by demons. Some great answers. <laughs> Terrifying. So have you got a stupid game idea that you think would actually be good? Yes, yeah, so I like. I like. I do like the idea of making a really mundane thing fun for a game. So yeah, even no, though the premises one. is mundane. Yeah, yeah, that is really cool. Something like that or where you're like... Um, you know, I think Gary ran a game like that where he, it was, I think it was called Peasants. Oh, and, right. and it was oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He ran it a few years ago at, he's, uh, at um, FGCon. Yeah, and it's like, uh, you, you're just lowly people in From the village. From a shitty little town, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and that's, uh, actually, DCC kind of does that. Mm, yeah, that's true. But it's like, you're always doing epic things, you know? And it'd be cool if you just got wrapped up in it for no reason yeah 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 you know and suddenly a demon comes to town all the heroes go to face him and they're like have at your demon and then they they all die instantly it's like you're you're this this guy who just shovels shit for a living he has to deal with it the town drunk I like it or I like it I do love the I do like the idea of like a, I think we've spoken about it before but like a mystery men type game where you're like the worst superheroes in the world yeah I yeah. Like the and idea you know what that. That, that would be fun and like rolling for superpowers you've got like it reminds me of like that episode of Family Guy where Meg her fingers fingernails grow long and she scratches uh, and he goes, ow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might have something like that. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'd like something like that. So something that's like on the on the surface is mundane, but when you look at it, it actually makes it really fun. Yeah, totally. Uh, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to nick Matt's idea and make it good. I'm just going to go for a Pokemon style game. I like that, yeah. Not exactly with the cutesiness and things like that, but just take any system. This mm-hmm. is the thing. The trouble is the balance, but take any system. You have to go out, capture monsters, beat the Elite Four, 
you know, go to all these different gyms. Where which people, are, yeah, which are towns in a yeah. medieval setting. Yeah, yeah, you go to those towns and then you battle monsters. That's sick. And they're like, oh, you've only got a goblin. <laughs> I've got a dragon, a Tarask, or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So yeah, that's my idea. I think it's it's kind of dumb and would never sell, but. It's fun. It would be fun, though. It would be fun. Pokemon so, fantasy. We actually got a few more answers than that uh, from the listeners, but we didn't have time. We didn't have time to read them all. So, uh, yeah, thank you all for sending them in, and uh, maybe we'll read them out next time. Yeah, sure. But yeah. that's it for a show, isn't it? That's it for it's a show. It? a show. We've done, done a show, show. didn't we? Done, done a show. Done that show. Right, uh, outro. Play the sound effect. I'm casting magic missile. Why are you casting magic missile? There's nothing to attack here. I'm attacking the darkness! <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. You attack the darkness. We just want to say, we've got contact info. Can you believe we did it? <laughs> Finally done it. They all said what? we couldn't. Take that, Dad. Look at us now with our contact info. <laughs> we got an email address. Oh yeah, why don't you Three, email us? 3trpgpod at gmail.com, the best email address known to man. And we've got it. We've got it. Um, in addition to that, we're on Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, all of that junk. Some people have said that they want us to do a Discord server. Have we got one? Yeah, we have. We just don't go on it. And I don't know the address, so find that out. We have got one. Good luck, we, we have got Discord. Um, we... we need to be more active on it and start inviting people over. Because I, I, want, it, I want another... I need. I think our listeners need a place to challenge, like to channel their horrible energy. Okay. Because you look how quickly, like the MeWe thing, filled up with hentai gifs. Oh god, yeah. That's going to be our Discord, and if we channel all the weird ones there, then we get the nice ones. That's true. All right. We oh, kill them all. Oh, and then we kill them all, and then all our fan base is just uh, hideous nutters. people and nuts. Yes, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll look at, we're looking to the Discord thing. Promise. We will. And, um, we're uh, we're trying to get that back up off the ground. But if you like the show, please donate a buck on Patreon. We're on there, so just search us up and uh, yeah, donate if you like the show, and we'll uh, it'll keep us going. Otherwise, uh, we might starve to death. We might starve to death. Exactly. You so don't want that. No, we don't want that. That don't. blood will be on your hands, listener. And we need to pay for this internet connection. Otherwise, we can't ever put it online. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Patreon power. No, that's not true. All the money pod. goes back into yeah. the into the podcast. It totally does. We recycle it all and so, uh, try and find cool new stuff for you. That's it for another show. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Just remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, well, that's a good time. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, you all. mutants. <laughs>